Hey, this is a bonus episode. Uh, I I haven't done a lot on the podcast around uh, insurance, but it's a it's a really important piece to people's overall financial plan. Not something that Stonehill Wealth Management does, um, but wanted to bring a guest on to talk about property and casualty insurance, home, auto, commercial, uh, and give his perspectives. So check it out. Let me know what you think, uh, and let's get to the podcast. back with another podcast episode, Ask Philip, and today we are talking about insurance. It's the insurance one-on-one. I don't, I don't do enough about, I don't talk enough about insurance in the podcast, so, because uh, it's not something that I, that I do or sell. Um, you know, w- when we build financial plans, we, we talk about it, but uh, I typically refer it out to uh, experts, or typically I do refer it out to experts for them to actually handle. So, I have an expert uh, today on the podcast. It is Ed Wise, and Ed is the now. Correct me if I'm wrong. You're the CEO of the Wise Insurance Group, Ed. That is that is correct. But I also am the chief bottle washer some days. <laughs> Whatever it takes. <laughs> exactly, as you know, when you start your own company. Uh, sometimes you get to do everything that you never imagined that you would have to do. Uh, yeah, the buck the buck stops with you. That is correct. Well, no, I, I appreciate you coming on, taking some time today to educate uh, folks on insurance. And, and and where I really want to start is how did you get into insurance? That's actually kind of a uh, interesting story. I mean, I got into insurance quite by accident. Um, I had been in technology, Philip, for 22 years, uh, selling computer hardware and software, and uh, got to the point where I realized that it was time to make a career change. I'd enjoyed technology, but you know, right after uh, you know 2001, it, it just I realized that it was time to make a change, and that I'd done all that I needed to do there. Uh, but I needed a career that where there was you know it wouldn't be a big deal if there was a little bit of gray hair. And so, uh, you know, I kind of tried uh, helping a buddy of mine with a uh, steel fabricating business and his business development efforts and. Uh, was doing real well until one day as we were getting ready to pitch a major project, uh, you know, he said that uh, the bank had called his note. He was going to have to like, you know, um, do something else and lay everybody off. And so, you know, I said, that's great. Uh, I'll need to go find something else. And, you know, what was funny is a buddy of mine, well, both of ours knew what was going on. And he called me and he goes, I've been after you for, two years to come help me with my insurance agency. And, you know, I think we should talk. And I just go, man, that just sounds like one of Dante's levels of hell. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, I thought it might be one of the most boring things that you'd, you'd ever have to do. 
but you know, I, I was needing a second career. And so, you know, I'm sitting there going, well, okay, I'll give this a try. You know, if, if worse comes to worse, it's easier to find a job when you have a job than if you don't have a job. And literally, uh, I got my license in two weeks. I started working, uh, with him. He had a farmer's agency and literally within, uh, 30 days, I was very excited. I realized I had found my second career, uh, quite by accident as it were. And, you know, I've been doing it ever since I've uh, been doing this now for 14 years and, uh, appreciated what, you know, the experience I had with Sam and getting started, but, uh, you know, I knew sooner or later, I would have to go out and do something on my own and uh, something where I wasn't having to convince people that this company versus that company was the best thing. You know, I could take my technology background and, and really take a consultative perspective and say, you know, here are some options from these two or three different companies. This is why you should look at this one versus this one and so forth. So we could actually tailor a solution to a client's needs as opposed to trying to convince them that this was the best thing since sliced bread. Got it. No, makes, make, makes complete sense. And you actually led into my first question on, on, on insurance. Um, how, how, how do you know, like which, cause there's all these policies out here, all these companies, they all kind of say the same thing in the, in the commercials <laughs> or the literature. And so as a, as a consumer, how, how do you know which company is, is right for you and, and i you know i guess i won't preface it like answer the question and i might have a couple of follow-ups based on how you answer it no that's that's a, those are good questions the you know it really kind of depends you know let me give an example of like when we're talking with someone about homeowners insurance uh, or you know and this would even apply with commercial insurance or car insurance is, is that we're really wanting to first understand what it is that we're trying to ensure. Uh, in the case of a home, we're wanting to make sure that we're able to uh, insure it, not so much for a purchase price or what its, uh, its sale value might be or tax value might be, but what it would cost to literally rebuild that home if a worst case scenario happens. And so, you know, there's, you know what we look at there is uh, you know, what is the makeup of that home? How is it built? What's it finished out like? You know, does it have wooden floors? Does it have tile floors? You know, uh, is it a, you know, uh, a mansion? Is it a starter home? All those things like that. And then we take that information as we also, you know, build some information about the client themselves, you know, who they are, what they do, you know, um, what is it that their goals are as far as professionally and so forth. And then we craft that by looking at all of the companies that we work with and literally kind of back into who can provide that best combination of coverage at the best rate that we can find without giving up anything on the coverage. And, you know, if there are, uh, you know, a couple of companies that are close, then we'll send that client, you know, uh, quotes from company A and company B and company C and talk about the differences between each one of the quotes and what the coverage options may be that they should be considering. Uh, same thing with a commercial company or commercial policy. We want to understand about the business, you know, what its revenues are, what its, uh, you know, payroll is, what 
they, what kind of service or uh, business that they're in and that, that, that they're providing so that we can, again, craft that from a bunch, bunch of different companies to really get into who can do that best combination of uh, coverage as well as rate. And so is it safe to assume like, just like, um, you know, just like, let's say, let's say, you know, I, I'll just pick, pick an insurance agent. There's some, well, I mean, any professionals, they might specialize in working with a certain type of client uh, because it makes, you know, the client get a better service and, and they operationally are, are, are more efficient. Is, is it safe to assume that some insurance companies prefer mansions, some prefer starter homes, and that's kind of reflective in the rates? It is, and, and that's a pretty fair assessment. I mean, when we look at, you know, companies that ride in that high-value client, you know, arena, that would be companies like AIG, Vault, Chubb, Pure, and so on, and that's really what they specialize in. They're literally looking for a home that has an insured value of somewhere minimally at 750000 or a million on up. Um, and so that's what they're looking for. Whereas with, you know, a company like, say, Travelers or Safeco or Nationwide or what have you, uh, we're looking then at companies that will scale anywhere from, say, that starter home up to that level where we would begin to evaluate, you know, would, they, would the client be better served with a higher-end policy like AIG or Chubb or Pura, whatever. Got it. Got it. Okay. No, that, that makes complete sense. Um, so, on the commercial side, let, let's take let's take for example like um, a startup company that's getting started, right? Mm -hmm. And the mindset of a startup company is they're like, "Listen, you know, we don't really have any revenue yet, but we know we got to protect ourselves. <laughs> like, what what are what are the coverages they 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 must have for a startup company? I know." I know every company is different, but kind of, and you can give different examples of different companies, but what are some basic coverages that you're like, you must have these if you're starting a business? Well, there's, it, it, it all, as you were saying, it kind of all comes back down to, you know, what type of business they're in. Um, for instance, I, I had the pleasure of, of uh, you know, talking earlier this summer with a, uh, a, a young lady who is was starting a uh, a counseling uh, her own counseling practice uh, she was going out on her own with a partner and the two of them were establishing their own practice providing you know marriage and family counseling and so they had rented a space within a commercial building in the Richardson area and so you know what we looked at then is is providing them with a level of coverage that would protect them in their office and in that particular case, uh, you know, it would be supportive of what the insurance requirements were of their lease. And so for them, what we really needed was what we would call a general liability package policy, which sometimes is referred to as a BOP or business owner's package. Uh, and so in that case, that policy provides coverage for general liability. If something should happen within the office space itself or the building, that would be related to them. Uh, as well as the coverage for their business property, you know, computers, furniture, things like that. Uh, the flip side of it is, as I'm talking right now with a, a client, and in this particular case, he is an IT consultant. 
and so in that particular case, while he does, you know, he does his consulting from home, uh, home office, uh, he literally is tying in with clients via uh, internet connections and things like that, or going on site with a client. Uh, a general liability policy is not really the best fit for him because he's not having people come into his office. He's literally working for them on a contract basis. And so someone like that who's providing a service really has a need for what we would call professional liability. And that's the type of coverage that protects them for what they do, not where they do it. Hmm. Okay. Now it makes sense. Is that, and, and that's, that's the same as what you would call uh, errors and omissions insurance. Exactly. Yeah. Or oops insurance. I made a mistake, you know, got it. Got it. Okay. Um, and then as a company, as a company matures, you know, what types of policies do you see them add to their insurance portfolio? So now, now they're making money. Uh, you know, they got attorneys, CPAs, you know, that are like, Hey, I got to make sure that because we got money, folks don't start. Well, I mean, I guess you can't avoid lawsuits. They're going to come the bigger you get, but what, right. <laughs> what types of, what types of policies do, do you see more mature companies getting in place? There's a, a couple of different things that we would see. Um, I have a, a friend of mine that I, uh, helping him with his commercial insurance on, he runs a company in the Dallas area that specializes in, uh, providing the labor, uh, on a temporary staffing basis for warehouses and light industrial clients. And, uh, you know, he started the company in 2018. He's gone from first year revenues anticipated of, you know, 300 and some odd thousand to he's bumping almost 7 million right now in two years, as far mm -hmm. as revenues go. And so for someone like that, who's had extremely rapid growth, the things that we look at are one, uh, increasing the amount of general liability coverage from a base of say 1 million per occurrence to 2 million or 3 million per occurrence, and then having higher levels yet for what we'd call an aggregate level. So in essence, they could be sued more than one time in a 12 month period of, of time. Uh, we also want to make sure that they have what we would call excess liability coverage. Uh, you know, that's the commercial version of an umbrella policy, which provides mm -hmm. kind of a backup uh, should something, you know, catastrophic happen. And so in that case, uh, he's carrying a $3 million excess liability policy. Uh, he also has ENO for what he's doing. And then, you know, what we're beginning to look at is this, that, you know, as his uh, employee base has grown and he's beginning to provide things like benefits, uh, it's a really good time for him to begin considering things like employment practices, liability insurance, so that should an employee sue him because they either weren't promoted, they, you know, uh, felt like they were let go and discriminated against or things like that then we want to make sure that he has that level of coverage as well to protect him from that type of a lawsuit. Got it. Yeah, no, you, you know, it was funny, you know, when you said the commercial version of umbrella insurance, I was like, I was like, there has to be some sort of commercial version of umbrella insurance because um, that, you know, that when I, when I wrote this question down, that was 
kind of what I was thinking about. And then the other ones you added, I hadn't even thought about. So I, I knew there was more. I was like, I just, I just, I just don't have a clue about commercial insurance. So uh, thanks for answering that. Um, no, and, and that's really where we kind of come in is, is, you know, our goal is not to say you need this. It's, you know, you need to consider this or, you know, this is why I would consider this and then providing them with information to make the decision that's right for them. Well, you know, you, you know, what's funny and other other reason why I asked that question, you know, I'm, I'm the chief compliance officer of my company. So I'm, and I, I invest money. People think invest investment folks are, uh, you know, risk takers. I'm like, no, like the best investment folks are like risk managers. You know, you understand, I call it, exactly. I, I call it, um, you know, um, I like to cut off tail risk, meaning, meaning in an investment market, it's all about like surviving. Cause if you, if you survive long enough, you'll make money because you know, the odds of making money get better the longer time you're in the market. And so I'm always like, what you got to do is cut off the tail risk or meaning cut off the risk of blowing up. Right. Which is basically what insurance does. Um, exactly. And, and, and so my, my, my mind thinks that way, but I was talking with, uh, uh, this, I think he might be like one of the wealthiest guys in Cedar Hill. He owns a, um, yeah, some type of manufacturing company. Because uh, I won't, I won't, I won't say the type because then everybody know who I'm talking about. Because I got a lot of chamber members who listen to this. But anyway, uh, he was like, um, he's like, hey, listen, my, uh, you know, my the, the people that I hated the most when I first started in business was my attorney and my insurance agent. And he's like, now being 30, 30 years in business, the people who I love the most are my attorney and my insurance agent. Basically, what he was saying was more money, more problems. But because of those two folks. He, he was able to protect what he what he built. And so I was like, man, that's some wild Oh, absolutely. Advice. I mean, and that's really our role, whether it be with an individual, a family, or a business owner, is just how do we put, you know, a hedge or a wall between you and something that goes wrong so that mm -hmm. it doesn't cause you catastrophic financial damage. Exactly. No, you, you, yep, yep. So, so switching the gears a bit, and I'm gonna come back to some more insurance questions. But uh, this is what I'm just curious on. So, um, insurance companies are intermediaries, like like banks, and intermediaries tend to 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 uh, at least their margins shrink when interest rates are low, right? And and for those who don't know, like um, the way intermediaries make money is the spread between uh, holding your money. And, and then, you know, they get money from you, they hold it, and there's a time period between they have to pay it out to you. Uh, and, that, and, that, and that time period, they try to make as much money as they can on your money through, through wise investments, right? And so when interest rates are low, mm -hmm. when interest rates are low, all investment returns go down over the long term, no matter what it is, because interest rates are what we call the risk-free rate. Um, so if interest rates are high, you can expect high returns from other asset classes. If they're lower, and lower returns, so it affects insurance companies' profit margins. So, are are you seeing uh, those low interest rates affect insurance pricing yet? You know, as as an interesting question, um, the a lot of what your insurance companies hold as far as investments are real estate, mm -hmm. and so from that standpoint, you know, one of the things that we've seen. You know, especially in Texas and other parts of the country is is that you know our both our residential and our commercial real estate markets 
have been on a pretty steady upward climb since we came out of the uh, recession of 2008. And so that has kind of cushioned that from, uh, you know, the standpoint of, of, you know, losses due to, uh, you know, interest rates being as low as they have been, especially right now. Uh, the flip side of that is is that the one thing that we have seen, especially in, you know, Texas and, you know, certain other states where there tend to be high uh, rates for property insurance, especially, uh, it is going to be, you know, Texas, we have hail, we have uh, tornadoes, and we have hurricanes, and occasionally we have brush fire. Uh, and so from that standpoint, one of the things that we're seeing is, is that property insurance, be it either personal or commercial, has been climbing uh, over the last few years due to the number of claims that came out of uh, like windstorm and tornado in 2019 in the DFW area. So uh, it's, it's hard to say, you know, Philip, as far as you know, are interest rates really impacting it? I'd say that one of the things that we're seeing is, is that losses paid out by the carriers have probably had a greater impact on rates going up recently than, you know, the loss of interest rates that we've seen as we've gone through COVID. Mm-hmm. Okay. No, make, 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 make sense. Um, what's, the, what's the biggest mistake you see people making when purchasing insurance? Oh gosh, there's a couple of them. Um, <laughs> you know, the the ninety over ninety five percent of all people I talk with have no earthly idea what they're buying. Uh, I didn't before I got into the business, and so one of the things that I think is an imperative for us as an agency is to sit down with clients, you know, be it by phone or email or you know face to face, and explain that coverage and what they're buying so that they understand it better. Uh, that gives them the ability, quite honestly, of looking at those numbers and going, oh, you know, I really do have good coverage here, or, oh, that that's not good coverage. And so we want them to, at least whether they buy from us or not, really understand what they're getting. Uh, I think the second biggest mistake that we see is, is that, uh, and, and most people really don't know this, but uh, Texas is one of 48 states in the United States that credit has an impact on what we pay for our, our home insurance, our car insurance, and to a lesser extent, even some of our commercial insurance. Hmm, and so from, it, 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 well, it does. Uh, people with low credit pay more for their insurance than people with good or excellent credit. And so one of the things that we want people to understand, whether they're buying a house that first time or they're coming off of, you know, they're establishing their own uh, themselves as adults and getting off of their parents, you know, policies that they understand that, you know, credit and how they manage their credit will impact what they pay for insurance as they go forward. So the better that they can manage their credit and keep it positive or good, then in all honesty, they will pay less over the life of, you know, that those policies than they will if they blow it up, for instance. You know, and then I think the other thing is, is that, you know, people tend to, you know, buy it and forget about it. Uh, no one really enjoys shopping for insurance, I have to say, uh, <laughs> which is where, you know, you know, 
that's where I kind of come in. I get to shop for them and look at a lot of different options to see what makes sense and what doesn't, you know, and so we're able then to not only help them that first time that we begin to, you know, talk with them, but, uh, you know, we also get to review their policy every year to determine does it make sense for them to stay put or does it make better sense for them to move from company A to company B because we can save them, you know, 300, 400, $500 or more. So, you know, don't ignore it. Uh, you want to take a look at it at least every two to three years at a minimum, just to make sure that you're getting the best rate for yourself. Got, got it. And, 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 you know, I'm a, and what I'm going to do, I'm going to pass this idea along. It's probably already out there because once it's in somebody's head, it's out in the universe. So it's, it might be out there, but, <laughs> but I'm going to share it with you so you can share it with the insurance execs, you know. But I, I was like, I was like, man, they need some sort of um, like Alexa app or Google Home app or you can, let's say I have a policy with XYZ company and I can say, hey, Alexa, uh, does my policy cover uh, roof damage? Does my policy cover hail damage? Like, and then they could, they could you know, give like a, a basic uh, idea of, of, of what your coverage, because I feel like if, if insurance companies had that app, I'd be more comfortable. You know what I mean? Like, because no, nobody I actually reads a declaration page. Idea. Yeah, nobody reads the declaration page, but I'm like, just get oh, something God, simple where you could just, you know, n know what's covered, right? That, that could, you know, uh, I, I think that would just be a great idea. Legal team would probably be all on top of that. So it would have to be, you know, real <laughs> dumbed down responses. <laughs> well, it, you know, it would. And see, the thing is, is that things change. I mean, you know, uh, we've worked with some smaller carriers over the last couple of years that did really well in that starter home space. Excuse me, but, uh, you know, they weren't prepared for the level of claims that we get for hail. And so some of those companies have either uh, made the decision to pull out of North Texas or Texas altogether. Others have changed the way they insure a person's roof for a home and by either raising the deductible from 1% to 2% or by taking the roof, if it's older than a certain age, and converting it from replacement cost to actual cash value. So one of the things that's important is, is that you really should look at your those declaration pages at least you know, when that policy comes up for renewal, you know, but that's also one of the things that we, you know, strive to do is to look at that for them and to make sure that we are able to uh, apprise them of those types of changes. You, you know, it, are, are there any, outside of USAA, are there any other like mutual property and casualty insurance companies? I, I worked at USA for like a little bit in college. That's how I got my start in the financial services business. No, that's USAA has been is a is a large mutual company as a State Farm, uh, which is oh, interesting. State Farm is mutual. Okay, I didn't even know they are. Uh, you now you have other companies that are organized differently. They're organized on the basis of being a corporation, and that would be companies like Travelers or you know uh, Farmers or uh, Allstate or what have you. You know, so those types of companies are are literally set uh, organized structurally in a completely different way than say a state farm or a USAA. Got it. Okay. No, and, and, and another question seeing Randall, what made me think about it is, you know, I'm, when I, when I asked about the insurance company, like, um, you know, deal, 
uh, or, or the question about the insurance company with the app, I was like, you know, what, 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 um, uh, and this is, this, this might be what you help with because insurance companies are not going to create you. But I think most people, most people are like, Hey, I just want to make sure I got the right coverage, you know, that's going to pay, uh, for, you know, for me, at least mature buyers of insurance, like price is not a price is not an issue, you know, cause obviously you don't, you don't want to overpay, but because right. of market competition, you're not really going to overpay. Uh, but you, but you want to, um, make sure you have the right coverage. And I'm like, okay, that's what, a, that's what agents help with. So that's, that's what you help with. But I'm like, there ought to be like some sort of, um, uh, I got, I got to think my process through, but that, but that's basically like, what the agent is for because any smart insurance company would just say, Hey, look, if you, if you, if you give us your money for life, we'll be transparent. We'll tell you when we change things, we'll tell you why we change things, you know, we'll, um, you know, charge you appropriately, you know, we'll, you know, give you money back when needed. But I'm like, that's just too much. Like, right. Nobody's going to do that. You got you know, to. I, you I was going to say that sounds incredibly wonderful, you know, but, and that's, <laughs> but, but that also falls into that category of one of the biggest mistakes that I see people make. And that is, is, you know, we'll be talking with someone and they go, you know, I've been with, you know, ABC company or XYZ company for 20 years. And, you know, I, you know, but I all of a sudden looked up and saw what, you know, I'm paying for, you know, this insurance and it just seems ridiculous. And and that's one of the things that most of the companies uh, do. And that is, is you know, they tend to look at it from the standpoint of the longer a person is with us, typically means that they're paying less and less attention to what they have and what the, and mm-hmm. what they're, what the company is doing or charging. Mm-hmm. And so from that standpoint, I, I say, that's why, you know, if you, if you fall into that group that says, you know, Hey, I've been with, you know, this particular company for 20 years, uh, you know, my response would be, you've probably been there too long. And, mm-hmm. and here's why, you know, we can provide you with a policy that will, you know, typically, cost less and provide the same or better coverage, uh, and, you know, and keep you, you know, with different options as we move forward to, with a, you know, better coverage or whatever as, as that, as, you know, as your needs evolve over time. But, you know, staying with one company is kind of like staying with a cell phone provider for, you know, way too long. Uh, you know, they, they basically look at it as, as, you know, uh, we're going to, charge you what we think we should charge you because of, uh, you know, you're not paying attention, unfortunately, as opposed to the other. I don't want to make it sound nefarious, but that actually is how it kind of works out. Right. Oh, yeah. Trust me. I, I, I understand. Verizon gets a call from me every year with me saying, <laughs> hey, I'm, I'm, I'm about to roll because y'all are too expensive. And it's, it's amazing how they find miraculous deals. I'm like, man, you should have gave me that deal. <laughs> you know, you should have just passed it Right. No, they don't. You know, they don't. They don't they, volunteer. They give that to that person who's coming, you know, to them, as opposed to that person who's been with them for five years or more. You know. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. All right. La- la- last couple of questions. I don't want to hold you too long, but um, so b- before we talked offline, I'm telling you, like, you know, a couple of my clients that that do well uh, sue insurance companies, and they make a lot of money. So I was like, man, it must be. There must be a lot of insurance companies doing some bad stuff out there. So, 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 what are some of the bad practices that you see insurance companies 
you know, um, doing that people might want to like look out for? You know, the, the, uh, the things that we see or that I see quite honestly, um, uh, you know, from a company standpoint, uh, if I look back at, at like, uh, Katrina and I'm not going to use the company's name, uh, you can Google it and find out who it was, but, you know, this was one of the largest insurance companies out there, and uh, they got caught uh, instructing the adjusters to say that those uh, claims from Hurricane Katrina were caused by storm surge, which falls under the category of, of flooding and is not covered by home insurance, versus by wind damage. And so, you know, they were trying to, you know, protect how much they were going to pay out by, you know, saying that these things were, were, were paid, um, you know, on the basis of flood coverage as opposed to the home insurance. Turns out that they were reported and they lost a major lawsuit as a result of that. It had to go back and pay those claims. Uh, the other thing that we see or that I saw, and this was really interesting is that, um, the like after the tornadoes that went through Dallas last October, uh, one of the complaints that I heard about from different realtors and friends who you know were talking with their clients in those areas were that you know a company would come in and say, well, you know the the tornado may have you know quote destroyed the home, but the foundation was left, so we are not going to. Uh, make this a total loss. Uh, it's mm. going to be a partial loss. And uh, oh, by the way, you're not covered uh, completely for that. So you know, some of these people had to actually, uh, you know, sell vacant lots after the home was torn down and and move on because the you know the insurance that they had uh, was not sufficient to rebuild their home. And so, you know, when I look at those kinds of things like that, I see, you know, in the first example, like with Katrina, that was the failure of a, of a company, you know, a large insurance company. Uh, and the second one, we could see that that could be potentially a failure of that particular company and how they handled a claim. Uh, the other thing that we could see is, is it could be that had the agent truly reviewed it and looked at that policy on an annual basis, and you know, allowed the coverage uh, to grow as the cost of rebuilding has increased in the DFW area. Uh, then they could be, you know, adequately insured to protect against such a thing like that. Uh, the third one we see that some people experience, and this was kind of an interesting thing, is that um, what we call a a partial at fault accident. Uh, my client, you know, is driving along and then they're hit by a person who is driving, you know, in a way that they shouldn't be driving. Uh, that person on all on the surface looks like they should be 100% at fault. But it turns out that the company that they're with was saying, well, our client was 60% at fault, but we're going to make you 40% at fault. And so when we talk with somebody who's gone through that kind of a thing, then we give them advice on how to, you know, you know, basically how to proceed so that they are handled well as opposed to handled poorly by the other company. Mm. Mm. Okay. Uh, that, that, that's good stuff. And the, and, the, and the more you talk, the more I'm, I'm just like, man, you just, you just got to have a good agent because it's, it's, 
there's so many nuances. Not not that agents replace a, a, attorneys, but uh, you gotta yeah. be able to say, hey, you gotta say, hey, like I don't understand this contract. Like, what do I have? Like, break it down to me in in, in dummy terms and just know what you got. So, it um, is. Yeah, yeah. Here's the last two questions that I'm starting to ask all all guests, um, just to get just to understand how they how they think. Because um, uh, you've been relatively successful, you've been selling for a while, you've been successful in selling in multiple different arenas, and so what what's something that you believe that other people think is crazy? <laughs> well, you know when I, when uh, I saw that question, I started laughing. I, go, I was going, "Do I talk about politics, religion, or insurance?" So I'm going to go. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to play it safe. For, for since we're recording this, and we'll talk about insurance for, for the answer to the question. And that is, is you know, I, there's so many things that go into what a person pays for an insurance policy. You know, uh, on the personal line side, you know, we've already talked about credit being one of them. And I think that that, quite honestly, uh, is, is not a good metric to use. And the reason for that is, is that it's, it's penalizing, you know, what I would call someone who's gone through a tough time in their life, be it after a divorce or, you know, they've had to declare bankruptcy because of, you know, uh, say they had a medical condition that, that basically, you know, took them into a, a realm that they had to declare bankruptcy because they couldn't afford the medical bills or whatever. Well, that quite honestly, they, they're going to pay more for their insurance as a result of that. Uh, you know, uh, married couples pay less for insurance than single people do. Why? Uh, I think you and I both know a number of married couples who probably would not fit the category of being more mature or responsible mm -hmm. than single people. We also know. <laughs> mm -hmm. So that type of thing, quite honestly, uh, I look at as being crazy. Um, you know, I'm working with uh, two clients right now who lost husbands this past year. Mm. And in all honesty, I mean, they're going through a tragedy, and yet because they're no longer married but widowed, their policy is going up a little bit in you know both the home and the car insurance, and so we're working with them to help guide them into a realm that you know minimizes that level of increase simply because I think they're being penalized you know through the loss of a spouse. So. Those those are the kinds of things that we see that that impact insurance rates. You know, not to mention like you know where you live and so forth. That uh, when I, when I hear about that kind of stuff, it just drives me crazy. Okay, no, that's those are two good ones. Uh, if this was your last day on earth, what advice or lesson would you give to those you care about to make sure they'll be okay financially? You, that, I think that's a phenomenal question. Um, I think, uh, you know, I was going to try to be a little humorous and say, I think that, you know, um, we spend more time worried about our sex life than our money life. And, <laughs> you know, to be, <laughs> you know, uh, <laughs> and unfortunately, if you grew up like I did, you didn't get enough information on either one of those, you know, from your parents. So, <laughs> so you had to kind of like go and figure that out on your own. Uh, you know, my, my 
financial education from my parents was my mom sitting down with me at the age of you know 16 and telling me basically how to how to balance a checkbook okay and that was it and so you know when i look at that i go you know uh, find an education on how to be smart financially you know whether it be you know how to budget how to save your money how to spend your money you know how to invest for retirement because you know you may be in your 20s or 30s you know today but you are going to you know catch up with me at some point and be in your 50s or 60s and then you know having to work through you know do i have enough have i have i taken care of the things that i need to do and you know part and parcel with that is is understand you know what you're doing with insurance and how that is a part of an overall financial plan uh and get educated i mean you know we have a number of blogs on our website that provide that level of education as far as things to look at when you're considering home or car or commercial insurance questions that you should be asking an agent uh, you know and that type of thing so that when you don't you know so you can ad- actually identify what is not taking place and be prepared in a way that you know is, that you're taking responsibility for Okay. No, no, definitely. And and how can everybody find you? And definitely please share the website because uh, you, you mentioned it. So I definitely want to share that with everybody. But what's the best place for people to reach you? You know, website, social media, you can list all of them. You can. Yeah, we're on uh, our website is www.wiseinsurancegroup.com. Uh, it's a little bit long a name, but nobody else had it when we started. Uh, I'm also on Twitter at wise ins uh group and then i'm on facebook as well and uh pinterest but uh pinterest. you know yeah that that was an interesting one but uh that was one of the ones that we looked at as they began to kind of grow in popularity and then you know, as we move forward uh you know the the goal this year is to is begin to roll out some videos and things like that so people can find us on youtube uh, you know, and look at things that basically give them a short little education moment, uh, hopefully not boring, but, you know, it's insightful that they can go, oh, that's an interesting thing. I didn't know that. Yeah, no, that, 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 that will be, that will be great. I mean, I think, I, th- I think in this short time that we talked, you know, I learned, I learned a lot. And so um, I, I would definitely enjoy, you know, watching some, Instagram clips or YouTube clips or podcasts, you know, short snippets about just, you know, different things about insurance. I think, uh, yeah, that would be super useful. Excellent. Well, thank you for that feedback. My pleasure. Well, thanks for taking time, Ed, and sharing with us. And um, this was definitely fun. Philip, thank you. It's been an absolute delight. And, uh, you know, I look forward to at some point sitting down with you face to face over some food once we get through this uh, COVID thing. In in 2025. (laughs) (laughs) Unfortunately, you may be closer to. If you are interested in having a review of your portfolio or to see how far on track you are with your retirement goals, Philip offers complimentary consults through his company, Stonehill Wealth Management. For more information, log on to StonehillWealthManagement.com forward slash talk. That's StonehillWealthManagement.com forward slash talk.
Philip Washington Jr. is a registered investment advisor. Information presented is for educational purposes only and does not intend to make an offer or solicitation for the sale or purchase of any specific securities, investments, or investment strategies. Investments involve risk and, unless otherwise stated, are not guaranteed. Be sure to first consult with a qualified financial advisor and or tax professional before implementing any strategy discussed herein. Past performance is not indicative of future performance.